sit back and get ready to have the most fun you ever had with an electronic device. There's an 8-track, you just push the button and it plays. Uh, but remember, you got to hit the program and go to the next one, but nobody knows what I'm talking about. So anyway. I know you do. All right. Well, I know we do. I'm saying anybody else. <laughs> well, we're not doing this for them. This is true. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome out to... The Logger Room. It is Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. Uh, as if, again, you needed a reminder, folks. Jersey Johnny coming at you. With me, as always, are Radio Pete and Harry Lugnut. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Howdy. How is everybody tonight? How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing way better than Sam Darnold. That is a low bar that uh, even I am can get over it, yes. Uh, well, are you doing better than Daniel Jones? I think most people are, but he makes a little bit more money than I do. So. I think he does make a little bit more money than both of us, or I all three of us. Say I didn't win this week, but I'm still satisfied with my performance. Well, there you go. That's always good. <laughs> In Daniel Jones' case, I did win this week, but um, no one's really <laughs> no talking one's really about my performance. <laughs> you don't want to worry about that. Despite my best performance, we won. All right. Well, speaking about best performances, let's get right into it. Uh, the Giants won this week. Yeah. What happened there? So depressing. That that's a great question. I uh, you know what somebody's got to answer it. It's you know, well they, they they played a team heads will roll. They played a team that's equally as bad as they are, and and somebody had to win. That's the they problem. They didn't have to. I mean, a tie would have been okay, I guess. It almost would have been poetic justice, right? Yeah. But um, I that's true. The tie for uh, the Eagles and the Bengals was poetic justice. That yes, day, so. the waste management garbage bowl. Where the Washington football team came out one point ahead of the New York Giants, maybe ruining the Giants' chance for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that's, uh, how sad is it? I guess that that's really probably the biggest takeaway. You know, yeah, right? I mean, forget about strategy, forget about improvements. You know, whether they looked a little bit better in this area or that. Uh, yep, they're they're a game farther away from Trevor Lawrence than they were before they won. And that's our takeaway from this week. And that's the takeaway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's 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 it ridiculous a- to think that that is what we're, we're what we've come to. Week six of the NFL, we want them to lose so we can. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's become a it's become rhetoric. It's become it, it's become an every year thing now. You know, by week six, seven, eight, we're like, oh, forget it. Let's just lose out and get the top draft pick. Yep, and we can't even do that right. No, <laughs> and, and 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 yet they well, screwed that up too. The Jets are figuring it out. But the Giants, no. I mean, the Jets left no chance for the, for an opportunity to win. The Giants had to keep it just right there, and then right at the end, found a way to win. <laughs> well, that raises an interesting question: Who had the worst week? Is it the Jets because they were they didn't only lose, but they were humiliated, or is it the Giants because darn it, you have a goal here, and you were you know giving you're 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 making it harder for yourself to. To attain that goal, which is that number one pick. So you could argue that the Jets had a better week in their loss than the Giants had in their win. I agree. See, I would like the Giants to have the first pick so that this management team could do the unspeakable and not draft Trevor Lawrence, take some you know offensive tackle from Wisconsin ahead of him. Take and then, and, and Eric then, Flowers' cousin. Right, yeah. And then I could just say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. 
I'm done with the Giants, much like I'm done with the Knicks, until there's a change in management, potentially ownership, whatever. Because th- th- there's no rosy outcome here for the Giants. You know, They have one great player, and he can't stay healthy. And I guess there's a few areas of improvement, but it's, it's not like, oh, yeah, they're two players away for being back in the playoffs. They're, they're, they're a horrible team. They are, and and you know what? I mean, there are there has been some improvement on the defense. Let's 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 be real. I mean, well, sure, and on the offense, you know, they they scored more than nine points. This so. is true. This is very very true. I mean, I mean, the offensive MVP of the year for the Giants uh, has got to be Graham Gano, but I mean, yeah. that's just yeah, obvious. His, but he, he might break the record for he, most field goals. Maybe. He might break the record for a lot of things, but the defense. I mean, uh, Kyle Fackrell. I mean, he's he's playing really well, uh, and. Um, uh, James Bradbury. I mean, he's he's. Oh yeah, Bradbury. Yeah, he's 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 got a lot of talent. Alrighty then. You know, I, I, they're they're not. <laughs> We've already delved into far reaches of NFL uh, knowledge. We're stretching to find something good. Yeah, yeah those are names that I certainly yeah. don't know. Fackrell I Bradbury, Bradbury, I've heard of, but yeah. you you have giant fans out there who go. Fatroll? Who's that? <laughs> yes, Johnny Fatroll. He he was Johnny a back, Fatrolls. He was a backup nose guard in the. 70s. Wasn't he in that movie uh, Varsity Blues? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, listen. Here's uh, that was Billy Bob. I'm sorry. <laughs> we should have we should have known that the Giants were going to win because according to my crack staff of statisticians, which is something I happen to see, uh, three uh, like. Daniel Jones has won three of four against Washington or something like that. Yeah. Yes. So no, he, uh, that no, is. No, he's won three of three against Washington, actually. There you go. There so you even, go. even better. He is undefeated against the Redskins. I'm sorry, the football team. And actually, the he's only one of one against the football team. He was two of two. <laughs> right. I was going to say, he's undefeated against both of them. <laughs> right. right. Both, both teams. That's right. He's got And if they, if they change their name next year. And, and he's, he's still around, which he might be. He wins a couple games. He could be undefeated against three, three separate teams, teams from all from, from Washington. All from Washington, right. So uh, they're not crazy. good. And, uh, they're not good. But, hey, you know what? Just, just, just to round out that uh, Giants talk, there were, an, again, a number of uh, bonehead referee calls uh, on that. Not as many as the Dallas game, but uh, that one interception. Uh, yeah, granted, I mean, it's Daniel Jones, the turnover machine, but uh, – it, that one interception in the back of the end zone, that guy landed out of bounds. Uh, it was clear that his elbow and his arm were on the white chalk, and and they called that an interception. I don't know what the hell they were looking at. New York even looked at it too. It was, it was just stupid. I I, I don't get it anymore. What what's the point of of even you know uh, throwing uh, uh, a challenge flag? They want to call it. They were going to call, and and that's the end of it. You know, it's 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 become stupid. But I'm not gonna I'm gonna get down on my my soapbox really quick here. So. Well, and and I heard somebody say, "Oh, you know, yeah, I guess he was uh, he was out, but boy, that was a heck of an effort. He kind of deserved uh, the interception." I mean, oh yeah, he deserved it. He was not out. the way it works, though. Right, I mean, yeah. it's if it's a bad call, it's a bad call, and then give of him course, the gold star and send him on his way. He right, you know, like, yeah, yeah, put the sticker on his helmet, and say, you know, little, better luck uh, next time. Better luck next time, kid. Right. But then, of course, when it happens to the Giants, it's it's not called an interception. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. It's that was pretty unfair. It's it's basically proving that the call on the field is reversible. That's what it all comes down to. So, um, but it you know I'm I was happy for that call because it gave us a chance to lose to lose. Right. And again, I have a picture. Every, uh, 
my response to any Giants fan about anything regarding the Giants is just a photo of Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, we'll be stuck with Daniel Jones. We'll go 2-14, two, two and 14 and we'll be right back here next year hoping that the Giants can, can beat the Washington football team again. Well, I, I, I know you felt that way because within three seconds of the game ending, you texted me and said they blew it. Yeah. So. Yeah, they did blow it. I mean, it's I, I hate I mean, I know that sounds horrible, but why win there? It's not like I, I said that I was optimistic in the beginning of the year and said they'd win three games. Now, that might be right, but I don't you know, with the Jets in town, one win might just keep you from getting the top pick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And speaking of the Jets. Um, that was a, a lopsided uh, game there, huh? That's one way to put it. Uh, I would probably use a more expletive-laden description, uh, but yeah. lopsided <laughs> would be somewhere in that sentence. And there lopsided would, be, a lot would of, be in the middle of about four expletives yeah, on either side. Pound signs and at symbols and all that stuff. And then lopsided and, and then a few more symbols and then the <laughs> word game. And then, uh, and then for, Frank Gore, really? <laughs> well... <laughs> I, or or uh, gaze, not game. Gaze. At least Frank Gore is still playing. I mean, it, it, that's amazing. Uh, you know what? I mean, <laughs> kudos to him. Yeah. You know, kudos to oh, Frank he's, Gore. He's, he's one of the most underrated. Uh, Old guys. Yeah, well, just players in general. I mean, he's had a prolific career. What was his first year? 1976? I think he, he, I think he so. started his rookie season was when we were all in kindergarten. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah so something to be said for uh, longevity packing uh Packing up sets, but he keeps playing, and uh, he's had some injuries. But I, I wouldn't say that he's an injury-prone player. Or there yeah. was a period, actually, I think, for a few years where he seemed to be hurt all the time. No, and we're not going to know how bad the Jets are until they can either play the Giants or the Washington Football Team. Right. We're just not going to know. And well, I'm not sure the Jets. Since they're not playing are, either this year, I don't. Going to get I don't. That. I'm not sure the Jets are worse than the Giants. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious that they are. Yeah, I for me the the real thing to watch this season is the dysfunction yeah. of the organization as a whole. Yeah, it's pretty miserable because well, they can't do right. anything right at all ever. No, it's pretty uh, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, so I mean the Giants. I say what you want about them. At least it might be incremental. They might be crawling, but they're going somewhere. I think. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't release Saquon Barkley. So right, you know. right, right. <laughs> and you know the the Jets are just admired. Yeah. Look, I can't complain. Keep Gase. He's terrible, and yeah. lose and get the first pick. That's fine. Um, that's I'm sure that's not his strategy. <laughs> and I feel bad for the guys that are on that team. But uh, you know they're they're setting themselves up for. There's only so much you can do when you're terrible. I mean, yes, you're going to get that pick, but if no free agents want to go there at all, because why do you want to go to this terrible franchise? And again, next year, supposedly, you're going to have to start all over again. Right. How many times do you bring in another coach? Do you get rid of you, you got to get rid of the GM, right? Or are you going to keep the GM? You're just going to get rid of Gase? Well, they're going to keep going back and forth. I mean, they didn't get rid of Mike McCagnan when they brought Gase in, and then Gase got rid of Mike McCagnan. Right. I mean, you had Douglas the... in, so they're going to get somebody else, and then who knows what's going to happen after right. that. You had the whole Idzik debacle. Um, so, you know, you've, you've, uh, it's just, it's, it's a poorly run organization from, you know, management, from the owners on down. Right. And, uh, or is it, though? Maybe, are we, are we not giving Chris Johnson enough credit? Maybe he knows that the only way he's going to get the top draft pick is to keep Adam Gaze in that position this year. 
You know, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm giving him I, too much credit in saying that. So. Maybe I think he just says, "Well, I'm going to pay him, so he's going to keep working for me." Right. I got to pay him anyway. He's <laughs> yeah. Keep I think it's, I think it's probably that. But either way, it's it's great strategy. Yeah. But the, I but the, here's the thing about a, being a you know whatever 50 year Jet fan. No real Jet fan has any confidence whatsoever that there's going to be any improvement in strategy. Whatever they do next is just going to be another screw up. So you're going to have the number one pick, and they're just going to ruin him. That just you know, there's only so much. Uh, if the wound is big enough, a band aid doesn't cover it. Right. Yeah. And and this wound is just spewing blood. You know, this is a carotid artery that they're going to stick a a SpongeBob band aid on because right. that's what the Jets do. They never get it right. I have no confidence, first pick or no, that anything is going to be necessarily any better. Except you're going to have a first pick who's extremely talented and. Could maybe lead you somewhere, and he's going to get beat to hell and gun shy and ruined, and then they'll trade him after a couple of years, right. and he'll go somewhere else and be good because that's what happens with the Jets. Yeah, I would feel really bad for Trevor Lawrence if he actually does leave the, uh, you know, go enter the draft this year and leave college, and and the Jets have the first pick and they pick him because, you know, I I, I feel bad for both of them because that means that's that's the end of Sam Darnold in New York. Not that that's a bad or a good thing, uh, you know, it's a it's probably. A, Good thing for him, bad thing for New York, whatever you want to call it. But it's definitely a bad thing for Trevor Lawrence because we're, what's he going to do there? You know, they they need other things. Yeah, they, get they, killed. Yeah, yeah. They they need they need to focus on other areas before they before they do that. Keep and what they, you got. Yeah. Build up everything else, and and then and then trade for Dak when he's done in Dallas or or, or, right, or somebody right. else you, that can fill the gap for a few years. That's 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 there already. But you know, when, once when, you build up everything else. Right, but when you right, that's what. But if you are incompetent, so incompetent that you can't build up anything else. Right. It doesn't matter who you bring in. So, you know, if you just, everything else is bad, uh, you can bring in, well, Superman would probably be able to win, but he'd have to run the ball a lot. <laughs> there uh, are, these are sad times in the Meadowlands. Yes, they, they are. are. What about uh, what about the other night games uh, from last week? Sunday night we had uh, the Rams and 49ers. Uh, who saw the 49ers coming back uh, and, and beating the Rams? That was a good game. Yeah. Yeah, they've uh, the 49ers are a bit of an enigma. I think I heard today Mostert is maybe going on the IR. Yeah. So yeah, he came back and left again. Um uh, I, I got something Jimmy to say. Jimmy G I, likes the spotlight apparently. He's, oh, uh, he definitely does. But I I did say this I I never this occurred to me and it, it occurred to me when I saw it. Let's <laughs> put it that way. Uh it it uh, never occurred to me, I should say. Um the four wins that the Rams have who were the four wins the Rams have? Not good teams, I'm assuming. Want me to tell you? Sure, go ahead. The Giants, the Eagles, the Redskins, pardon me, football team, and the Cowboys. Yeah. Hmm. The well, four wins the Rams have are the NFC East. It's nice playing the <laughs> NFC East. It really is. So as good as the Rams look or looked, right. they only won against the NFC East. That's it. That's right. Hackensack High is a favorite to win against the NFC East this upcoming week. Uh, they, they are, actually. They are. Right, right. Yeah, no, the, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Rams or the 49ers are uh, the most consistent teams in the league right now. I think in the NFC West, I think, obviously, the, the elite of the NFC West is the Seahawks. But I think the Cardinals are better than the Rams and the 49ers right now. Yeah, and they're also sort of up and down. But the water chickens are definitely... Uh, Heads above the rest. But, yeah, yeah. The, the Cardinals look good the other night. That's for sure. 
Yeah, they look good beating up on the Cowboys. And look, they won two, then they lost two. Now they've won, you know, lost, won two in a row, lost two in a row. Now they've won two in a row again, although again, uh, against the Cowboys, it's not uh, saying very much. But, when uh, you're not an NFC East team and you play in an NFC East team, you tend to look pretty good. Yeah, you should be feasting. Yes. Anyone and, who plays and, the and, and the Cardinals certainly did. I mean, they just pummeled the Cowboys. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was brutal. So, and look at it, whatever. Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton and uh, passable, serviceable quarterback. We've said that, but they just came out flat and didn't look good. Didn't well, when you good. when you when you have a defensive lineman ramming you into the ground before you've even taken three steps into your drop, then yeah. it's kind of doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to do anything uh, worthwhile. No. Well, look. If the, I mean, if this trend continues, because there's you know there's always a lot of talk about Dak Prescott. Is he as good as maybe he is, or maybe he isn't? Is he worth the money and the contract called out, and he bet on himself, and all that going on? If the Cowboys turn out to be absolutely atrocious as far as their offense goes, because I think they're the number one scoring team in the league. Is that correct? Or uh, I'll have to check something like that. Uh, but if they turn out to be atrocious offensively without Dak Prescott, it's going to prove maybe not after Monday. No, maybe not after Monday, but it's going to prove his worth. And, of course, he doesn't play defense, so then we know their defense is terrible. Oh, yeah. So that's right. going to be, as a Cowboys fan, it's going to be interesting to me to see, you know, can they move the ball? If you can't score more than 10 points against Arizona, who is, I think, a good team, but yeah. not as not as good as 2-0 and and not as bad as 2-2, two and two, and maybe not as good as 4-2, and two, but certainly exciting. Kyler Murray is like a... I don't know. His legs seem to move so fast. He's like White Shoes Johnson. Yeah. He looked really good against the Cowboys. Yeah. He's just gone. Instant goes from zero to top speed, it seems, almost instantaneously. So, But it'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys offense fares without Dak. And I think people are going to see that his worth to the team in that respect is, is maybe more than... Some other people think. Well, I mean, the difference with the Cowboys is their offensive line. In years past, they've always had excellent offensive linemen. And that's why, you know, Zeke looked the way he did. That's why they gave Zach enough time to pass. They've had decent receivers, and they've put up some points. Uh, they just looked pretty miserable on both ends of the of the ball the other night. Yeah, yeah they really did. They really did. And a uh, quick other note regarding the NFC East uh, specifically, there are five teams – in the NFL, that each have the same amount of wins that the NFC East does collectively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they're five, not good. Five five win teams, and the entire NFC East has five wins. So, and ironically enough, had the Cowboys lost to the Giants, which you all know, I, I feel they should have because of because uh, of the refs. We know because of the refs exactly, uh, and the Falcons didn't, you know fold at the end of their game with the Cowboys. The Cowboys would be 0 6 right now and the Giants would be in first place at 2 and 4. You know, that's just un- mind-boggling that that actually the that, Giants but, as horrible as they are could could technically well, should be in the lead. How and conflicted would you be then? I I don't you know what though. <laughs> to go, I, well, look, we're in first place. We're maybe uh, most likely a third of the way to Six wins, which will most likely right. be enough to, to win the division and get in the playoffs. But we're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Seriously, though, does any team in the NFC East want to win the division? Because none of them are winning one playoff game. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be great if they win the division with five wins and then go on a heater? <laughs> and, win the, and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Could you imagine a five-win team wins the division and then the Super Bowl? 
That, that, could, that would five, be good. Five wins. That would put the icing on the cake to the 2020 sports season. That's five, for sure. Five wins could win you the season. Uh, do you want to talk about the Chiefs and the Bills? Yeah, the Chiefs and the Bills really quick. Uh, you know what? I, I, I knew. I, who, who didn't know? I mean, yeah. you, don't wanna, you know what? You don't if they both the had lost the week before, uh, right. and as, as Pete, as you said, uh, the worst thing that happened to the uh, – or was it you, Harry, that said it? The worst thing that happened to the Bills was that the Chiefs lost. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want <laughs> to play the – you don't want to play any Andy Reid team coming off a loss. No, and the Chiefs, I don't have the Chiefs lost back to back games since Mahomes took over as starting quarterback. I don't I think they believe so. I don't think so, no. I don't think they will this year. No. Now, here, here's my question to you because I've been thinking about the, the strategy because they ran 245 yards. I think they ran 44 times. Uh, right. Which is very interesting. Reminded me of the like uh, the old days when you could do that. Uh, so here's uh, I have three three theories here. Uh, two of them are fantasy. One is that um, what's the running back name? Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, Clyde Edwards went, Hilaire. Went Hilaire. to uh, went to Andy Reid. Heard about the Le'Veon Bell signing and went to Andy Reid and said, "Hey, you know I'm pretty good too." And Reid said, "Okay, here's 25 carries. Prove it." The second <laughs> theory. And I doubt, obviously that's not what happened, but obviously. the second theory is that Reed said, okay, uh, Le'Veon, welcome. We're going to show you that we can spread the ball around. There's going to be plenty of rushing yards for everybody. Mahomes will have some. Uh, Lair will have some. And uh, well, a couple other guys will have some. So there's plenty of carries for you, too. That's obviously not what happened. Right. Well, did, So the third theory is, did they just say, we're just going to run the ball? We're going to keep the Bills' offense off the field as much as we can. And we're going to limit the touches that uh, Mr. Allen has. And any mistakes that get made are going to be magnified sure. because you get up by a couple scores and then there's a turnover or a three and out. And all of a sudden the Bills are going, oh, man, how many more chances are we going to get? we got to yeah. catch up here. Right, so I, yeah. I think it was great coaching. Yeah. Run, 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 eat up the clock, use time. And, and of course, if you're the Bills, you got to be worried because you know they can go over the top any play. Right. And you keep going, well, they're not going to run again, are they? Yes, they are. Well, they're not going to run again. Yes, well, they're not going to run again. You know, you could, I mean, you could ask that question after the first running play the Chiefs had. Sure. At, you could ask that question before every single other play of the game. And 43 other times the answer would be yes. <laughs> exactly. And you would not, I and mean, you'd be just, you'd be terrified, I think, by the time the second half comes around. The you, that... We know they're going to bust one over the top at some point. But we there we can't stop they, on the they, run. They didn't fall behind, and that's the key. I mean, the Chiefs at the end of last year, they were behind. They dug themselves a hole in every game at the, every end of the game. playoffs. Yeah, and so they had to air it out. But before that, and especially the year before that, mm-hmm. they were pretty balanced, and they could run the ball and consistently control the game clock, and that's what they did. And I think it was good because you can run against Buffalo and. Not that Buffalo's defense is great, but their pass defense is a lot better than, than their run, run defense, defense yeah. especially right. if they could stack, you know, nickel or six defensive backs in there. And then when you when when they do that, and then you can run the ball, it it certainly opens up the the underneath passing route. So the, the Chiefs, I think that, I think that the the loss the Chiefs had is an anomaly. I, I think I, I still think they're trying to find their legs as to who they are this year, but uh, they're still. They're still the team to beat, let's be honest. They're going to be even scarier with Bell. The fact that they can actually do that, though, the fact that they actually have they have the defense they have, but on offense they can they can kill you with the run and they can kill you with the pass. They can do the quick strike and they can eat up the clock. They have the ability to do both. What other team has that balanced attack? 
you know, that balanced of a balanced attack, I should say. You know, and obviously we saw last week against the uh, against the Raiders that they can lose. So, you know, who the hell knows? But, uh, but it is it is scary to to think that they're actually a better team this year than they were last year when they won the Super Bowl. Well, I think it's the other reason why they ran the ball a lot more is because they did look a little out of sync against the Raiders. They looked like they were kind of struggling to move the ball vertically. Right. And so maybe there's something there, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to test it. I wouldn't want to be a defensive coordinator testing that theory. No, no, not at all. Let's take a trip around the NFL new segment. Let's, uh, let's, let's take a trip around the NFL. This week we'll concentrate on the NFC North, or the NFC Norris, as uh, Mr. Berman calls it. The Bears, Packers, Lions, Vikings. And in that order are the standings. Bears, you know what? They're they're better than I thought they were. Uh, you know, is it is it a little pixie dust from uh, from Falls? Maybe maybe it has a little to do with that. Uh, maybe it has to do with their defense or whatever. Um, I still think that the class of that division is the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was just off his game. I mean, once those two turnovers happened in succession uh, with those two passes to Devontae Adams, who, by the way, was he taught to try and defend uh, an interception as a receiver? Uh, you know, he just, you know, I mean, the, the second one was a, was a tip, so we'll, we'll give him that one. But the first one, he just let the defender just take it and, and, and walk into the end zone with it. But, uh, I mean, I guess anything can happen. Give him, give him a pass on that. But I, I think Rodgers was just so shooken up from, uh, from both of those that's, that, that he got off his game. I, I don't know whether there was that or, or I think not. Tampa Bay is a good team. I think that they're finding their, their groove a little bit. Yeah. You know, you got to remember, these guys haven't really played together on offense very much, and uh, – they looked, they looked like a, that was a balanced team that sort of stuck it to the Packers. I still, yeah, I mean, it, it could it could have had a little to do with the fact that you know Brady got embarrassed the week before, yeah. and you know not knowing what down it was at the end of the game. Yeah, Tampa Bay should really be five and one. And yeah, and 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 also uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were coming off a bye week, so you know uh, these 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 bye weeks, you know, it, people use them as an excuse, but I do believe that they they do eat away at momentum. You know, just me. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. I wouldn't call it a fluke because I think Tampa Bay is a good team, and I think definitely uh, Brady had something to prove. And Aaron Rodgers just didn't have a great day. I this as far as this division goes, though, I don't know. I just kind of like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop with Chicago. Like I know they're five and one, but are they a real five and one? Like I have much more faith in Green Bay's four and one than in Chicago's five and one. Yeah, and right. I and I think Detroit and Minnesota are better than their records show. I think Detroit is definitely Minnesota. I, I still, I, I think know. they're better than a one and five team, but they play in a tough division. So yeah, the, it's a tough division, and and they they've gotten a lot of bad breaks, a decent amount. And I mean that the call not to not to kick the field goal, uh, you know, two weeks ago that was a yeah. week and a half ago was was just stupid. They beat two and four instead of one and five. Yep, and uh, you know the Lions would still be ahead of them because they they haven't played you know, the bye or whatever, but. Um, Speaking of stupid, I just wanted to ask you guys. Uh, I, obviously, it didn't work out, so it was the wrong call. But uh, the football team going for two, no, you going for the win on the road. Yeah, how how much of his uh, Rivera's reasoning did you did you buy? I don't know if you listened to what he said. We got to learn how to win. Blah blah blah. That was just an ego thing, yeah. right? 
Yeah, yeah. That, that I, was I, about him. That wasn't I, anything. I, I, I think trying I think, to say that he was better than Mike Zimmer. You know, he can do it. They can. I think he made Zimmer a mistake. I, I think you know. I mean, you you heard uh, who was it? Uh, who was the announcer for that game? The Cowboys quarterback. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Troy Aikman. Uh, Tony Romo. Romo. Tony Romo. Romo just oh, yeah, went on, on and on and on about. You. There's certain points in the game when you just automatically know that you go for you kick the extra point or you go for two, and right. that, and that that was nowhere close to any you know. Anything that anybody would would consider. Yeah. So those two yeah. teams in that particular position at that point in the game, you kick the field goal. Absolutely, uh, kick the extra point. Yeah, right. the, there's almost no, like the only reason to go for two is because you have to go for two. Yeah. Right. As far as I've seen, in, in you know as many times it's happened, that's the only reason to do it because you have to. I mean, yeah. yes, you could uh, try and get up ahead by eight, and okay, fine, just get up by seven. You know, make the touch. You know, make the touchdown. The tie. If you have, there's a couple minutes left, and you know it's going to be a two-minute drive by the other team. Okay, we'll make the touchdown, and the extra point is going to be the tie, or, or at least put them in that position. There's right. just almost no reason, unless you need two points to tie or you know to tie the game at the end to go right. for two. Sure, and I, and and you know we'll never know this obviously, but I totally believe the fact that had they kicked the extra point and tied the game and went to overtime, the Redskins were winning the game. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, certainly you could head into the overtime with the momentum at that point. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the point, absolutely. All right. So but, we're, uh, we're all everybody I, so everybody knows more about that situation than Ron Rivera. Apparently. Apparently. But uh but you know what? I, I you know, back to the NFC North, uh, uh which well, I, I I do believe, you know, I, I'm not saying it was a fluke uh that I'm not saying the loss for the Packers to the to the Buccaneers was a was a fluke. What I'm saying is the game the Packers played post those two interceptions was a fluke. I'm not saying they would have won the game, but the it, they weren't even in the game at that point. It, yeah. it was it was the, the Bucks completely took over that game. That's what I'm saying was the fluke. You know, the Packers have a pretty fortuitous schedule coming up. They play the Texans, the Vikings. They they're at the 49ers. That's a tough game. They got the Jaguars, the Colts, the Bears again, the Eagles, the Lions again, the Panthers, the Titans, and then they end the season with the Bears. I could see them winning maybe everything but, but one or two more of those games. I, I think at the end of the season, I think the Packers are – I think they win that division, number one. And they might they might be challenging Seattle for that top seed in the in the NFC. Well, I'll, I'll just say this for, for whatever you think it's worth because I don't want to put too much in stats. But if you look at uh, the difference between uh, the points scored and points against in that division, and the Bears are a plus 12 – uh, Packers are a plus twenty three. Uh, the Lions, who are two and three, only a minus ten. Minus ten, yeah. So that yeah. that sort of lends credence to well, they're better. Just another score here or there, or a, a defensive stop, and you know they they could be uh, they could be they uh, could be four they and could one. be three and two or four and one. Sure. And the Vikings, they're a minus thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you know well, they're maybe they're better than one of five, but you gotta yeah. you gotta. I mean, they're they've given up more points than anybody in the division. Uh, although they haven't scored, um, yeah, the pack, the Packers, second most, but the pack. I think right. the Bears come back down to earth. The Packers are, uh, the Packers are the best team in that division. Yeah, but, but the Bears' defense looks good, and they're eking out enough points. And if they can keep it up, then you never know. Yeah, it's know. A, it is a formula. For I, I don't think I'd want to play them in the playoffs. Well, they, nope. They just seem like that team that's maybe got a little bit of the magic on. Yeah, you never know, and especially what Mr. Pixie does himself. So that's right. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, why don't we do some picks? 
All right. Beaten by the coin. Beaten by the coin. I'm sure I'll lose to the coin. No one wants to be beaten by the coin. All right. Let's, uh, let me pull up the, uh, the uh, picks here. Hold on. Because it was a very interesting week last week. Yes, it was. And uh, did the coin win? The coin had a surprisingly good week. It yeah. made a rookie mistake. <laughs> and probably because... Let me, I'm going to look at the coin here. Oh, this is a 2019 quarter. So it just doesn't know. You just don't it's pick the Jets. It's too young. Yeah, it's too on. young. You, it just hasn't learned yet. You don't pick the Jets. So that was its mistake. Other, so, but it went four and one. Coin would have been undefeated if it. Yeah, if, 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 if yeah. It if it had uh, known a little bit better, it would have been five and zero. Oh, but still, picking the Giants, picking the Cardinals, and picking the 49ers. So the coin had a nice four and one week and got back to nine and ten. Uh, I went three and two. Uh, Harry went two and three. So I'm a game up on you now. And uh, Johnny consistent four and one. Now leads us all at 15 and 4. So I'm three games back, Harry, you're four games back, and uh, the coin is uh, six games back. <laughs> but still, coin picking up ground. Very interesting. Yeah. All right, so this week we have four games because the Giants and uh, the Eagles play Thursday, right? Is that correct? Tomorrow? Giants and the Eagles play tomorrow. Thursday. Okay, so uh, Giants at Philly, toss up. Uh, Philly, I guess you'd say, is favored. Who do we like here? I don't know. I mean, picking these <laughs> NFC, the, the Eagles did not look very good. Um, but they beat they 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 only lost by what two points to the uh, Ravens the other night. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. That was a big comeback. It was, was. It was, but it didn't seem as close as the final score. I I, no, I think no, the, I, I there's no way the Giants win two games in a row. I think the Eagles win this <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I, I think I think the the Eagles defense looks like it's coming to life, and I think this is going to be uh, one of those typical Daniel Jones games where you know fumbles two or three times and throws a pick six. I, I remember I, remember Ertz and Sanders are out this week though. I know, but I still think the Eagles will find a way to win. Yeah, well, specifically though, I got to tell you, with with Ertz and Sanders being out, you know, my my pick is going to be uh, the Eagles. The Eagles will win this game. Okay, we'll take Billy. I'm tempted to take the Giants. Um, but Shake I, things up. Well, it's not like they were impressive no. against, really, other than the Jets, probably the worst team in football in the yeah. Washington squad. So, you know, they, they got a win, and, and only because of stupidity on the part of the other coach. So okay. I can't in good conscience take the Giants. I have to pick Philly. And we'll flip the old coin here. I didn't realize it was only one year old. For that's not fair, making a one year old go against us. Uh, this this one year old is uh and uh, comes up heads, which of course means the home team. And so we all agree, boringly, that it's going to be the Eagles. There you go. All right, I'm not sure what order the games are in as far as when they're being played, but we got Buffalo, uh, hosted by the New York Football Embarrassments, uh, the Jets. And uh, being a Jet fan, hmm, let's see. Oh, hmm. Want to go with the Jets? Well, there's a possibility. I mean, the Buffalo, they lost. They might be really depressed, and they might all start shooting up heroin and not be two ready games. for the game. The Buffalo Bills lost two games uh, in a row. Yeah, I, I think, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and pick. No, I'm going to pick Buffalo. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. The Bills win. The okay. Bills are definitely winning this game, Bills. And let's see what Mr. Coin says. Now, one with the Jets, I mean, by picking against 
Uh, I don't know. Whatever happened last week. Uh, coin says heads. You dumb coin. Picking the Jets again. <laughs> the oh no, that was a big Jets fan. The Jets. Coin is a bigger Jets Jets fan than you are. Coin says I'm gonna. I went four and one. My loss was the Jets. So therefore, I'm gonna go with the Jets. There you go. Uh, Tampa Bay and uh, the Raiders. Is it? I believe. That would be the Raiders. I wrote LV. I assume that stands for Las Vegas. Uh, Tampa Bay and Las Vegas. Johnny. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Raiders in this one. The Raiders are home. I, I something tells me Tampa's losing this game. I'm going with I'm going with Las Vegas on this one. No, well, let's see. I mean, the Raiders uh, did look pretty good against uh, the Chiefs, but uh, Chiefs kind of did have a bad game. Mm, 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 mm. I think Tampa Bay is going to get on a roll here. I think they are coming together, and they are a pretty good team. And Tom realizes uh, he, he's got an opportunity to do something good here and stick it in Belichick's eye. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with the, the Bucks. Okay. Well, the Raiders coming off a big win. Go with the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I just have no faith in the consistency of the, of the Las Vegas Raiders. God, that's, yeah. God, that's yeah. I don't either, but they're home, and something weird. tells me yeah. that they're... They are home? Where, where is their home? I don't even know. Uh, that <laughs> would be in Vegas. Uh, Reno. Well, you've got... See, that's the thing. You've got to think... If you don't want to talk about distractions, yeah. you can easily. There's a hundred thousand things that could happen in Vegas that would be distracting and yep. cause them to underperform. All right, let's see what old Coiny says. Coiny says tails, so they like Tampa Bay. So you're you're out on a limb there, Johnny. All right, all right, and uh, Chicago against the uh, L.A. Rams. Who wants to take this one? This is a tough one. I mean, do the Bears ever come down to earth? I don't know. I, 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 the Rams just don't look good, and the Bears seem to find a way to win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Chicago. I think they, I think they win this game somehow. Johnny, this is a tough one. Oh, this, this is, is tough. This is tough. Um, I want to say the Rams are gonna win. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go with the Rams. I'm going with the Rams. Okay, I'm going with the Rams. They're home too. Yep. Yeah, I. They lost uh, to the 49ers. They're gonna get it together. The Bears are playing above their, uh, you know, their, their, their record's better than they are. Uh, not much, but better than they do are. You, do you remember 20 minutes ago when you told everyone that the only teams the Rams have beaten? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, that doesn't mean that they're horrible. It just means no, that, No, you know. but, you know, okay. I think the Bears are better than the, the NFC East. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't think the Bears are as good as 5 If the game one. was in Chicago, I'd be picking the Bears. Yeah, I don't. Uh, think I just the think Rams that the Rams. I think Rams. the Rams are going to get their stuff together. I'm going to also pick the Rams because I'm a masochist. All go. right, let's see what the coin says. Coin says tails likes Chicago. So there you go. Harry and the coin each picking up a game this week with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still going with the Rams. Or, so or there the, we go. Or, or the coin passes me this week. <laughs> well, you're well. I mean, boy. If the Jets win, then, uh, then I the, think the, then the coin, you know, the coin could go four and zero. Yeah, the coin could. I imagine that. That would be painful. That, that would, would be very painful. painful. All right, so there we go. There's our picks. They'll be posted. Uh, I guess I'll probably put them up later tonight. There you go. Or tomorrow. I don't know. Tonight or tomorrow. And that brings us to baseball. The thing with baseball is that playing every day, it's just a diff- It's a completely different game. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I. I think I think Tampa Bay would have a much better shot. A, a I think Tampa Bay would have gotten through the last series in five or six games if they had if they could have their normal pitching rotation. I also think that 
I think the Dodgers are going to benefit from this uh, lack of days off. Because I think this next series still goes. Aren't they doing? Aren't they still playing? Like I don't think there's any. Well, Tampa Bay is up one nothing right now. Yeah, no, there's no. Uh, there's well, no. The, there's no d- days off. There's no days off, and and I would say the Dodgers have been playing. Where are they actually playing? I don't even know. It's uh, in Texas, right? It's in. Uh, it's in Texas or San Diego. Well, wherever it is, they've been playing there. You know, right. I know technically it's not really a home field advantage. But, but been, they're but used to there. seeing pitches coming out of that background, right? You know, and this this is a this is a new place for the Rays. And how much would they play there anyway? If it's right. uh, if it's San Diego, then uh, certainly they probably haven't been there too many times, uh, being an American League team. So um, you know, it's the, the Dodgers could end up. Kershaw yeah, looked good last night. Away. You know, he looked Kers- great last night. Yeah, and can they pitch him again in Game Four? Or do you have to wait to game five? I think it would depend on the score. Yeah, Morton pitched already. I mean, I just think that we'll see. It's, I think this is going to be a – I think this could go seven easy. Tampa Bay, there's something with that Tampa Bay team and this Dodgers team. They both they both seem to be pretty resilient. And uh, the Dodgers lineup came, came alive last night, and Mookie Betts is finally finally woke up. And that's – nobody yeah. wants if – you're, if you're – Tampa Bay Rays, you do not want to see that. Yeah, you don't want that. And and you know also it's it's the Rays are more of a uh, live by the home run, die by the home run team. Yeah, the Dodgers. You know, although the, the Dodgers, Dodgers have a, I think they have a scarier well, lineup well, even in that regard. Well, how many home runs did they hit last night? <laughs> yeah, well, and, but right, but also how many singles and doubles did they hit right, last night? Right. They had like four doubles, and yeah. the Dodgers are a better team. It's yeah, a better team. Yeah, but Tampa Bay, it's it's the year. Tampa Bay's got yeah you're right it could very well be the year of that city it could be it could be i don't really i've always had trouble with the which actually let me ask you as a yankee fan are you can you root for tampa bay because they i can't the astros in the ground or is it too painful because they beat the yankees no i mean i look at it this way i i i've I've said this i think i said this when we first started when baseball first started i said i think tampa's going to the world series and i I think you had mentioned all that the yankees are going to win blah 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 there was just something about this team i watched them play the yankees play tampa a lot this year and they just could not beat this team and the astros are another team with you know they're they have three or four guys in that lineup who just are clutch hitters. And you, you thought, oh, shit, they got down 3 nothing, and then here they come. They're going to win four in a row. But Tampa held up, held off, and I, I I think the Dodgers are obviously favored. But I, I, I'm going to root for Tampa. I, I think there's something about this team. They remind me of the Royals of a few years back, where they just seem to be able to – they have a deep bullpen – and they seem to be able to, to score runs when they need to. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think this is going to go seven. And, and even last night, you know, they were a hit away. And it wouldn't have had to have been a home run, you know, uh, when they had a couple guys on. And it was uh, eight to two, I guess. They scored another run, and they could have gotten a home yeah. run and made it like a three-run game. You know, could have kind of gotten back into it, and it didn't end up happening. But they always uh, seem to have those opportunities and, and cash in on them. Perhaps more often than they don't. Yeah. But I think we probably, I mean, me saying the Yankees are going to win, that was just Mets pessimism. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, but I think we probably well, I, I all think agree he, that Tampa Bay was a better team. 
I, the, the Yankees yeah, over the, the course of the season. I mean, the, yeah, the course of the season. But if you look at that series, I mean, if it wasn't for Chapman doing what Chapman does best, the Yankees could have very easily won that series. And I think they would have matched up really well against the Astros this year. But, you know, the Astros are also a very good team. They're a very good team, but they don't have the pitching that they've had in years past. No, That's no, the their pitching is not as good, but they're still that, a mean, very good team. When, when, you, when, you, when you take away their top two pitchers, and arguably two of the top five pitchers, in baseball, and and then they still were a game away from going back to the World Series. Yeah, the Astros—it's just the middle of that lineup is the toughest middle lineup since the Red Sox of you know five years ago. And it, being a game away after being down 0-3. That's what I mean. Yeah, you know, it's not like oh, it was uh, you know two-two, yeah. and then they were a game away four times. Yeah, yeah. crazy. And even even with Altuve turning into Chuck Knobloch in the field. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, my pick. I, I certainly think I think the Dodgers are winning. I do. You said Tampa Bay was up one nothing before. I think yeah, they're up one nothing. Top of the second. Top of the second. Yeah, I. I mean, Dodgers are up. You know, one game to to none. Obviously, won last night. But uh, yeah, I think the Dodgers. Th- this is the Dodgers year. I just I just think it is. I mean, the Rays. You know what? It's a great story. Low payroll, uh, beating the Yankees, uh, beating uh, you know, knocking off Houston, coming back, doing something that only Boston has done before, coming back from three games down in a, a league championship series. Um, and uh, you know that it, it's a great story. I just don't think they have enough. I think the Dodgers are just you know they're they're locked in. Uh, you know, with 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 the whole, especially you know, after the news last year, you know that in in their minds they probably realized that they they more or less should have won, you know, three years ago against the Astros, and and who knows what they would have done against the Red Sox if Alex Cora, you know, who knows what Alex Cora did there too. I mean, it's all speculation, but bottom line is they felt that they they should have had one of those, if not both. Uh, they're focused. They're heading. I, I I think it's the Dodgers year. We shall see. It's going seven, and it's, I'm telling you right now, it's going seven. I hope I so. This ta- this Tampa Bay team is just no. Dude, Tampa Bay's winning games. They're the, just the Dodgers aren't sweeping Tampa yeah. Bay by any means. Nope. But I don't know about seven. I'm I'm thinking six. I think it's going six. Right. I think it's four two. Dodgers winning six. Well, let's just see. It might it, it might be yet another championship for L.A. How wonderful you know for L.A. Yeah. I wouldn't um, feel terrible. I mean, I guess I'm rooting for the Rays, but I wouldn't feel terrible if L.A. But I don't love them. I'm uh, I'm I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Dodgers. I'm I'm going with the Dodgers. As a Mets fan, uh, you know what? I mean, it's not like I'm a I'm a big Dodgers fan by any means, but uh, over the last uh, you know year, because of everything that you know transpired, the uh, the Astros have become my newest team to hate. Yeah, I think everybody I think everybody's happy that the Astros lost. I'm just I, I like the Dodgers because UConn Cornelius plays for them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the thing is, are are is that hatred for the. Uh, for the Astros going to carry over to the next season because right, we were all kind of looking forward to them being in front of, you know, pre-COVID, looking forward to them being in front of fans and sure. getting booed, and, and they didn't have to face any of that. You know, they, I think they it got hit with a few pitches early on, and, uh, you know, some guys went after them, but they didn't have to kind of deal with all of the fallout from the cheating scandal. And, which, uh, you, you look, you do what you do to win. If they, you know, and uh, yes, I think the cheating helped them, but with 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 Springer and Correa and Altuve, that team if the, if that if those three stay together, then that team's always in a two or three run game because those guys are just consistently clutch playoff hitters. And who knows? You know what? The Astros might be down George Springer. Uh, you know, next year. I mean, he might be a Met. <laughs> who knows? Speaking of the Mets, uh, I guess step seventeen of thirty five for uh, Cohen actually <laughs> find the team. 
goes by the wayside. I heard something by the executive committee yesterday. I heard something very interesting today. I want to get your take on. Uh, sure. Somebody was talking about okay, well, is he going to kind of change the regime? You know, it's not just about spending money, right? We're all excited because he has a lot of money, but are you going to make good moves? And somebody suggested Jeffrey Lunau bringing in as the GM and said, look, he's really good at what he does. He's kind of a jerk. Nobody really likes his personality, but he's really good at building a team. Right. Uh, and his suspension would be up. Would you do it? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of stigma that comes along with that, though. You know, I mean, you're right. But if he know, if I, he came out and said, yes, I knew about the cheating. We wanted to win. We did a bad thing. I knew about it instead of I didn't know I'm not on the field. Uh, could you see it happening then? Would you, would you be he, willing to forgive if he if he owned up to it? And then, like last year, owned up to it and just came out and just was compliant and did everything with the, what MLB asked him to do. And 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 he was the whistleblower, if you will, uh, for, you know, after the whistle got blown, he was the, you know, he rinsed maybe. out the whistle. Yeah, he rinsed out the whistle. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it now. It's just there's, there's a little bit of a stigma. And I, I, and I hope I hope he I hope he has a blockbuster deal with the team across the river. Where Jacob Degrom goes to the New York Yankees and the Yankee and the Mets get, well, here, here's what I'd be willing to give him: Gary Sanchez, of uh, course, Chapman, Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> this is every caller to late night. Don't dump your garbage to, just, to late uh, night you know, talk radio uh, sports talk. This is a lot of good garbage. This is a lot of overpaid garbage. It's a lot of exactly. We'll give him Stanton. Garbage. We'll give him. Uh, we'll give him Sanchez. Sanchez. We'll give him uh, that pitcher that always gives up the home run. Chapman. Uh, Chapman. We'll give him Chapman. that guy, can, and we'll take Jacob Degrom. Yeah, that'd be that's a good trade. Yeah, I think the Mets would do who? that. I think the Mets would do that. Yeah, that's every Yankee fan calling up uh, sports radio talk at you know two thirty in the morning. What, what, when, when, I, when I think of the Mets, I think Jacob Degrom, and that's it. <laughs> well, well, give it a couple of years. You know, yeah. I mean, next year maybe you think of the Mets as Jacob Degrom, well, listen, uh, Degrom, Trevor Bauer, George Springer, and JT Realmuto. We'll take yeah. Degrom and throw in uh, Springer's. Throw in the polar bear. Springer's not going to the Mets. Not well, if he's smart. <laughs> well, you know what? Though, we talk. We're, you know what, though, Pete? We're talking about you know, you know, we're we're, we're talking about it from a jaded Met fan point of view. That's this true. could be the beginning of something really great. So. You know, get on the ground floor of it, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and Oh, uh, by the way, the WNBA was won by uh, the Seattle Storm. There you go. Storm. Okay. So um, maybe they might get the WNBA and they might get an NFL title. You can't, uh, there you go. can't count the Seahawks out. There you go. A lot of cities that can have two titles. Only one can have three, and that's Tampa, because I really don't think the Rams are... <laughs> Although I think they're winning this week, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. Probably so. not. No. Probably so. not. That brings us to our new segment, folks. Oh, right. New segment of top tens. We're doing top ten lists this week. We're doing top ten Giants, top ten New York Giants, New York football Giants of all time. And uh, we're gonna rotate around, and we're gonna start with Mr. Radio Pete. He's gonna give us our number ten selection on our top ten list for this week. Number ten, Michael Strahan, uh, defensive end. Um, I don't have a lot of numbers on him. He was really good. Um, his sacks record is crap. <laughs> uh, Castano, Allen, and Justin Houston are the true sack leaders. 22 and a half is not. 
the single season sack record. I was actually at the game where Brett Favre laid down. Where Brett, yeah, Brett, 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 I was literally a yeah. hundred feet away from him. I was sitting. I was had good seats that day. Strahan is probably a guy that non-giant fans could easily hate uh, because a he was very good on the field and uh, b because he had a very successful television career. Seems like a really nice guy, and uh, he's I don't know. He's got a hundred and forty some odd sacks, which is. Um, Pretty good. I don't know where it is on the all-time list, but it's pretty high up there. I think it's top twenty, right? Yeah. And uh, definitely a guy who uh, powered the Giants' defense at a lot of times. There we go. Mm-hmm. Michael Strahan, number ten. Michael Strahan, number ten. Harry, give us number. Uh, give us number nine. Number nine, Harry Carson. Harry Carson was the uh, middle linebacker on two Giants Super Bowl championship teams, and if it wasn't for Lawrence Taylor, would probably. I, I think maybe go down as one of the top two or three uh, New York Giants of all of all time on, on the defensive side of the ball. He he was a game changer. He was kind of the old school middle linebacker who anchored the middle of that team, and then they surrounded him with some really dynamic outside linebackers when the Giants went from a, a, a four three to a three four. And when you when you have people like Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks. Uh, Brad Van Pelt, Folks, Gary Reason. this, if you uh, have any suggestions, Johnson, that you want to hear those that years you hear that Carson for played a top for the Giants. Giants. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a better write in. Uh, you can message us on Facebook, Twitter, I was Instagram, say, was there, was uh, or you can just send us an email through the way. Yeah, 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 I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And the '90 team was pretty darn good too. Harry Carson, I think people know who he is. A Giants fan certainly do. He's. He was one, I think he's one of the top five middle linebackers to ever play the game. And didn't miss much time either. No. No. Was uh, steady and uh, always out there. And I think much like Strahan, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think he played his whole career with the Giants. He did play his whole career with the Giants. There you go. Number nine, Harry Carson. Good job. All right. That brings us to number eight. Number eight I will take is none other than Mr. Yelberton Abraham Tittle. Y.A. Tittle. Uh, he was quarterback. Uh, his number 14 is retired with the Giants. Uh, funnily enough, um, he was the uh, sixth pick overall in the first round uh, of the 1948 draft. But he was drafted by the Colts. He played for the Colts for three seasons. Uh, and then he went to San Francisco for 10 years. He was a 49er for 10 years. And then he came to the Giants in 1961. He only played four years for the Giants. So our criteria for this list was that they had to play at least four years for the Giants. But Mr. Yelbert and Abraham Tittle's best four years were with the Giants in 1961 through 1964. Uh, he, uh, they were the last four years of his uh, 17-year career. He went to seven Pro Bowls over his 17 years, but three of them were with the Giants in 61 to 63. Uh, he was a four-time first-team All-Pro, and three of the four years were 61 to 63 with the Giants. Uh, he was the NFL's most valuable player. In 1963, again with the Giants. He was the passer rating leader in 63. 63 was a crazy good year for him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, Yelbert and Abraham Tittle, uh, awesome, uh, awesome quarterback for the Giants. Uh, first throwback player on this list. And he was kind of an innovator. Not an innovator, but a guy who really embraced the passing game, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. And, so, and of uh, course, he's the guy in that picture. That famous go, picture yeah. of him kneeling on the field, bleeding. Kneeling in the end zone with his helmet off, bald head bleeding, blood running down his face. That's Y-Till. Y-Till, number eight. Number seven, take it away, Mr. Harry Lugnuts. Number seven is Sam Huff. 
Played for the New York Giants from 1956 to 1963. Ended his career at the Washington Redskins. He won an NFL championship in 1956 and was a five-time Pro Bowler. He was drafted in the third round by the New York Giants. He played on both sides of the field, both offense and defense, which uh, was rare at that time. Yeah, I played uh, 56 through 63 with the uh, with the Giants and a few years after that with Washington. He's in both uh, Ring of Fames. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was a guy that I had heard his name and knew he was a, a good player, but didn't really realize how good he was until I started researching him. He was, again, one of these guys who kind of reinvented the position in some ways at that time. Old school. Old school to the T. Definitely. Old school player. Sam Huff, number seven. All right, bring us to number six, uh, Pete. All right, number six. Uh, Emlyn, is it Tunnel or Tunnel? I don't know. Tunnel. Tunnel, okay. Because of the two L's, I guess. Uh, Emlyn Tunnel is safety. This guy, again, a guy I'd never heard of, but when I uh, started looking him up, pretty darn good player. Uh, two championship teams, 56 and 61. First team All-Pro six times, nine Pro Bowls. And when he retired, well, currently he's number two all-time on the interception list with 79. At the time he retired, he was number one uh, in interceptions with 79. Return yards from interceptions, uh, almost 1,300. Punt returns, uh, 258. That was a record when he retired. And punt return yards, just over 2,200. So uh, he was an amazing defensive player, uh, a big part of that 56 championship team and the, uh, the umbrella defense as well as being a versatile player who did other things as well. Uh, Emlyn Tunnell. There you go. Emlyn the Gremlin. And he was my pick for old balls this week. Yeah, we'll talk more about him in old balls shortly coming up. Uh, that was number six, Emlyn Tunnell. Uh, brings us to number five. Uh, and that would be Mr. Mel Hine. Mr. Mel Hine was center for the Giants. He is uh, he wore number seven. His number seven is retired by the Giants. He went to Washington State. He uh, was drafted in 1931, played for 15 seasons with the Giants, 31 to 45. He was an eight-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, he coached for 20 years after uh, he, uh, he retired, too. Uh, just a, a great, great offensive lineman. Um, uh, what a good center he was. Um, and, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame as well. And played a bit of linebacker too, yeah. Two way player. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was dead. a lot of people back then. A lot of people in the old days. They, yeah. they played uh, they played both ways. And I think he was another guy who never missed a game because of uh, injury. Yeah, I mean, fifteen years never missed a game because he was hurt. That, that's, that's ridiculous. It is just crazy to think that. I don't make you know, guys like that anymore. So that's at number five. It's Melhine is number five on our list. Number four, Harry, bring us to number four. Number four is Eli Manning. I'm a big Eli fan. I think Eli was underrated in a lot of ways. But what saved Eli Manning was two seasons. And he won a Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl MVP twice. He won the Super Bowl twice. He was a Pro Bowler four times. He played his entire season as a New York Giant. Um, I think, you know, I think he's probably the best New York Giants quarterback in the history of, of the team. But Eli had two magical years. And his performance in the playoffs got him on my list. Had he not had those playoff runs and not won those two Super Bowls, uh, even even with his impressive numbers, it was a different, you know, he, he was really the first Giants quarterback to play in the era of the passing game. And uh, obviously, I think he's, he's the best quarterback the Giants have had. I think he will remain that way, at least in the near future. Uh, he had a great career and, and two magical Super Bowl wins that... Uh, 
I think, endear him to not only Giants fans, but to football fans around the league because anytime you can upset the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, you're going to be liked by a lot of people. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote about him. See, I think those two magical years are what... Uh, he's a little higher on my list, but I just wrote two-time Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl MVP, top 10 in uh, passing yards and touchdowns, just out of the top 10 in interceptions, but uh, durable, the streak that was only broken because of a stupid coach. Um, (laughs) You know, to me, I mean, what he did for the Giants, and and I agree with what you said, yeah, he had these two great years, but um, for me, that's enough to put him uh, on there. Well, sure, it's two more than most people have had. That's, this yeah, is true. true. And don't forget, though, he did have an amazing year the year after the first Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 that, uh, that 08 season, uh, they, they were hands down the best team in the league. And uh, it, it took a, an unfortunate incident off the field to uh, unravel the Giants, <laughs> uh, if you will. Yeah. And we won't mention Plaxico Burris' name. They literally but, shot uh, themselves in the foot. <laughs> they literally did. Um but uh, you know that that doesn't that event, and I said it. I, I've said it before, and I will say it forever. That event doesn't happen, and that team stays together like they they were. Uh, they they roller skate through that Super Bowl, and and they went back to back. They they were really they were a better team by far that year than they were the year before when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and we all learned a valuable lesson, which is don't bring your gun to the club if you're wearing sweatpants. Leave the gun. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Exactly. All right. Good. Number four, Eli Manning. Good job. All right, number, that brings us to number three. Uh, Pete, give us number three. Frank Gifford. Uh, boy, talk about a guy who kind of did it all. Um, I know a lot of people, including myself, kind of thought of Frank Gifford uh, for his passing, but he wasn't a quarterback. He was, in fact, a defensive back and a running back and uh, basically a wide receiver, what they used to call a flanker. Uh, eight Pro Bowl appearances at those three positions. Uh, most Valuable Player Award in 1956, of course, the title year there. Um, let's give you some numbers. 136 regular season games, 3,600 rushing yards, 34 touchdowns, 367 receptions for 5,400 roughly yards, and 43 touchdowns, and uh, 29 for 63 in his career, throwing the ball, 14 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Uh, 14 the most among any non-quarterback uh, in the NFL history to this day. And yep. six interceptions tied for the most thrown by a non-quarterback with. Anybody? A little <laughs> trivia. Who? What other non-quarterback has six interceptions? Uh, He's a really, really good running back. Hmm. Tell us. Walter Payton. Sweet. Walter Payton. That's right. He used to throw it with either hand. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, of course, Gifford had a long, rather illustrious uh, broadcasting career and... Um, Perhaps a few dalliances outside of the uh, marriage as well. Those are the things that I know Frank Gifford for. But he was go. a heck of a player, uh, very versatile, and really, really good at a number of different positions. Good job, number three, Frank Gifford. That brings us to number two. Number two, we're going with Rosie Brown, Mr. Roosevelt Brown. Uh, offensive tackle, number 79 with the Giants. Uh, he was uh, he was a late, late-round pick. I mean, that, that was back when they had uh, 27 rounds. He was picked... 321st overall uh, in 1953, coming out of Morgan State. Um, he played his entire career with the Giants, uh, 1953 to 1965. Went to nine Pro Bowls. Uh, he was a six-time first-team All-Pro, uh, and, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame uh, as well. Just just an amazing. I mean, also, he was three-time second-team All-Pro. 
he's on the 75th anniversary team, uh, 100th uh, anniversary team, 1950s all-decade team, and of course he's in the Giants' ring of honor. Uh, played in 163 games. What a what a what an amazing yeah. what an amazing player Rosie Brown was. Probably one of the most athletic offensive linemen that ever took the field. Just incredible. Awesome. That's number two, Rosie Brown. That brings us to number one. I wonder who it is, Mr. Lugnuts. Who could number one possibly be? I think I think we're going to go out on a limb here and say that it's Lawrence Julius Taylor. Uh, <laughs> look, I not only have Lawrence Taylor as the best Giants of all time, I, I he is on my list the best football player of all time. Uh, I have never ever seen anybody dominate a football game for as long as he has in, in the way that he had. He reinvented defensive schemes. He became the, the quintessential linebacker. He's one of only two players to ever win an NFL Most Valuable Player award as a defensive player. And Alan Page was the yeah, other. Alan Page was the other, yeah. And, you know, he, he, obviously the two Super Bowls that he, he won with the Giants. And there just wasn't a better fit. The, the, those Giants teams with, with Belichick and Parcells, with Taylor had a lot of help, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of really great players on there, like we mentioned earlier with Carl Banks and Gary Reasons and Brad Van Pelt, Brian Kelly, Pepper Johnson, and, of course, Harry Carson is also on this list. But there has never been a football player like Lawrence Taylor, and there never will be, in my opinion, again. He is, hands down, not only the best giant, but in my estimation, he is the best football player of all time. And the fact that he's he's done that on the defensive side of the uh, of the field is, I think, even more impressive. And and ironically, uh, our three lists uh, were were different, incrementally different. Uh, but that was one thing we definitely did all agree on. Yeah. LT is the top of the list. Yeah, I, I wrote LT, and I didn't write anything afterwards because yeah. <laughs> there was no, you know, especially with that. I mean, with that group of great linebackers. To yeah. be a standout yeah. amongst those guys. And sure. you could say, well, because he was so great and got so much attention, they were allowed to do other things, and, and you know he made them better by drawing so much attention. But still, amongst those great players, and you know the, the Giants known for D and known for that linebacking core, to just be the guy head and shoulders above everybody else. I, obviously, I, I can't make an argument that he was uh, not the best player ever to play the game. He's the most. His he was so explosive; it was unbelievable, and he just seemed much like Michael Jordan when the when you needed a big play. Somehow, he was able to come up with it, even as a defensive player. It just it was unbelievable, and doing it, you know, after being up all night. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, it, he obviously had his substance issues, but you know, this is a guy that was not taking vitamins and getting. Nine hours sleep. Well, it was uh, taking well, vitamins if well, you, you know, want to stretch it. I, yeah, pharmaceuticals. He was, uh, <laughs> you know, this is a guy was walking off the golf course and heading to a playoff game, you know, if you believe the reports. Well, he was so, he, after he did, being he up did. all night. I mean, what what would he have been if he was uh, even a healthier individual? No, I don't know. If he took I mean, care of himself. I, it's, it's a, maybe, I don't know, maybe that was part of what Maybe that was him, part of his magic. Uh, what he was. But, boy, you just think this was a yeah. guy who, you, who should be zonked. And yeah. he was still so good. Seems like Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan followed the same, uh, you know, lifestyle. I mean, yeah. Jor- Jordan was more just staying up and gambling, not obviously the uh, the substance abuse. Uh, the other, yeah. Uh, yeah. and but, less hot dogs too than yeah. Babe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> but but even in that last, even in that '90s se- season when the Giants won, when he won his second Super Bowl, he just seemed to time it just right. When they needed a big play, all of a sudden there he was. 
That was it. Yep. I mean, he yeah. was uh, Jefferson from <laughs> Fast Times, all right. over doing things no one else would do. A one man wrecking crew. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was amazing. One man wrecking crew as part of the big blue wrecking crew. There he is, number one, Lawrence Taylor. Good job, guys. Thanks. Uh, top ten uh, New York Giants of all time. All right, that brings us to old balls. Old balls. And this week's old balls is none other than number six on our top ten list from this week, Mr. Emlyn Tunnell. Harry, why don't you tell us a little more about Mr. Emlyn Tunnell? Yeah, I mean, I think he reinvented the the position in a lot of ways, and obviously he broke color barriers both on the Giants and in the league in general. But the fact that he had as many interceptions as he did. Uh, 79 career interceptions. He had over 1,200 interception return yards. He had over 250 punt returns and 2,209 punt return yards. I mean, he was the 1950s all-decade team, NFL 50th anniversary all-time team, NFL 100th anniversary all-time team. And I think, you know, this is the kind of the point of these old ball segment is I, I don't think we really look back and enough and say, wow, these guys not only did things that still stand up today from a statistics standpoint, but they were they were breaking into a league that was not very friendly towards them. And they were they did things that were just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, before the Super Bowl era, but still the Giants teams back then, they won two two NFL championships, but they were they were they were consistently one of the better teams in the league. I think he ended his career with Green, with Bay. Green Bay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And his two uh, his two Super Bowl wins. He won in '56 with the Giants, and he won in '61 with Green Bay. Yeah. And ironically, there is another uh, individual that uh, was in common with both of those wins, and that would be the offensive coordinator for the Giants, yeah. uh, who became the head coach of the Packers. Yeah. Uh, for that win in '61, and that would be none other than Mr. the man the trophy is named after. Yeah. The Vincent Thomas Lombardi. Mr. Vince Lombardi. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. I heard he was pretty good. Local guy went to Fordham. That's right. Fordham. <laughs> yeah. Em, 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 Emlyn Tennell. Not, uh, definitely a deep, deep dive into uh, some history there. Some, somebody that I, I don't think many football fans really know about, but uh, pretty impressive nonetheless. Good old balls this week. Good job. Good pick, good pick. All right, good pick. Old balls. He's got well, a lot of them, 71 of them. Old <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, 79. He's got 79, 79. old He's balls. He's got 79 old balls. I just want to m- mention two other things about him. He was the first African-American to play for the New York Giants, and he was the first African-American to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was, a, he was six foot four, two, 210. As a as a defensive back in the at a time when you just did not have defensive backs of that size or athletic ability, so uh, and I would wonder if the even the re- many of the receivers were even that no were probably not as big back then as they were now no yeah. no and he uh, he was towering over the guys that he was uh, guarding against yeah he had a, he had seventy nine career interceptions and an NFL record that uh, remained for for most of the NFL history until I think seventy nine. 1979. All right, folks. We want to thank everybody for listening to this week's sports podcast. And as always, you can check out everything on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all at The Logger Room. And, of course, our website is www.thelogerroom.com. 
logaroom.com. That's L-A-G-E-R-R-O-O-M.com. And folks, of course, if you are listening to this podcast uh, through one of those services, you're going to want to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or even TuneIn or Stitcher and subscribe to our podcast feed. This way you will never miss one of our podcasts. And remember, every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, give or take a couple of minutes, we go live on Facebook with our video teaser for the podcast, which we record, of course, afterwards. Uh, so you're going to want to check that out as well. And we encourage you to write into us either through any of the social media or through our, uh, through our website and ask us any questions or uh, anything you want to hear on the podcast or, for that matter, see on the live video feed as well on Wednesday nights. Folks, once again, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. Check out all the sports. Enjoy your football games on Sunday. Cross your fingers for us with our picks, and we will talk to you soon, folks. Take care. Peace. Later.